Hello, and welcome to the Faculty of Environment podcast, or the... The Faux Show. Faux Show. show. That's right. I am Sam Toman. Um, I co-host the Faux Show with... Uh, Joanne Elizabeth Adair. Yeah. To, to, Lovely to see you again. Yeah, very nice to see you as yeah, well. Always a pleasure. Um, we, have a, we have an unorthodox Faux Show for yeah. you. It's a little off. It's weird. Yeah. It's like the but in movie the best way. Memento. Mm. It, it jumps through time. Yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and at the center of it is uh, Matt Tyson. Matt Tyson, yeah. Who is Matt Tyson? Who is Matt Tyson? Yeah. Who isn't Matt Tyson, <laughs> Sam? Matt is our sustainability coordinator on campus. Yeah. A fine gent. Looked amazing today. Yeah, had a sweater a, in the booth. which Had was... a tie on. Made me wish I had my tie. I'm wearing a t-shirt that's with Sugar Bear on it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We don't add up to one mat. <laughs> that's for sure. No. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, so Matt's the sustainability officer on campus, which means he is responsible for um, initiatives for sustainability everywhere. That's right. That's, you know, that's plant operations, that's trees, grass, buildings, yep. programs, staff. staff, recycling, Faculty. waste... It's students. It's crazy. Yeah, he is everywhere. Yeah, he he is everywhere. Yeah, he'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll also talk a lot about Star Wars because uh, it's December eighteenth, and it's I a think big day. It's a big day. And we'd be surprised if you're listening to this because because <laughs> you're in line right now. Yeah, you're probably in line and dressed you're probably as a Ewok. That's right. With a lightsaber. That's right. Picking a fight with a, with Han Solo with a Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, with a, yeah. Sorry, I can't even make the reference because I don't know. You yeah. never pick a fight with Han Solo. Would you not? He'd shoot first. Right. Star Wars reference. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Matt's coming on. He's awesome. And uh, yeah, who else? Oh, yeah. Let's thank Mad. Oh, Mad. If we sound nice, like extra nice right now, it's because uh, they fixed our microphone. Yeah, and Mad just does so much for us. Yeah. So we love you. So. Particular shout out to Mad. Thank you so much for fi- fixing the microphone and for everything you do to help make this podcast possible. Yeah, if you ever go down to the Mad Labs, just give anybody who works for Mad a hug. Yeah. Give him a big hug. Uh, yeah. Does that violate like a policy maybe? Probably. I don't know. Just wave at them. Yeah. And I'm just going to thank Tony Ferguson. He did, He's not cutting this one because uh, he's he's actually really busy at his own job. Yeah, because he do. has a full-time job in addition to yeah. making us good. But thanks, Tony, for everything you do. Yeah, thanks, Tony. All right, let's get to Matt. All right. You should maybe tell us what you do. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good start. That's a good, um, good one, Sam. Yeah, great question. So my role yeah, is yeah. pretty broad. Um, basically, it involves doing all of the universities or a lot of the universities reporting for sustainability, um, coordinating with different student groups, and then trying to push different activities forward. Uh, so finding priority items to work on, finding people to do them, and then telling the story after they've been done kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. So making, making a case, so making a case for... Um, having a sustainability officer has got to be kind of hard for you, right? Because, mm-hmm. well, not hard, but without the full buy-in, you have to come up with some sort of quantifiable outcomes, right? Yeah, and I think that if you look at sustainability in general and trying to make the business case for sustainability as a whole, that ends up justifying the staff resources that are required to implement it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once you start painting a big picture of where you want to take the university and what you want to achieve, it becomes 
pretty clear pretty quickly that you can't do that without some type of staff. Yeah. Um, whether it's in a coordinator role like I have or a director role or having a full office at some point, um, you can only do so much when it's parsed out to various different departments and very varying degrees of responsibility and interest and, and sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be a champion or a central coordination point somewhere. Um, so I think that was what originally got them thinking let's post this position because they recognized that there was work needing to be done and it moved beyond any one of the individual departments that are involved right now to do it Mm -hmm. what are your quantifiable things like what can you point to and say let's say money Mm -hmm. you know because you know we so we were in a workshop with matt last week great time it was a great workshop good good glad you guys enjoyed it matt (laughs) so inspiring felt so good good i I tweeted things illegally no no, that's great (laughs) there's no such thing as illegal tweets (laughs) i've learned oh good (laughs) nobody Um, can try maybe yeah that's good i don't know But, uh, yeah, it was a great workshop. What was the workshop? Maybe, Matt, you could just share a little bit about that. Yeah, so we just wanted to bring together different stakeholders around campus to talk sustainability and kind of figure out, well, A, give a little bit of information on where we are right now and where we've come from, um, and then B, get a little bit of input on where we want to take the campus going forward. And so it's really easy for me to brainstorm things and think of ideas, but I think it's much more meaningful when that's collaborative and when we get different departments and different, you know, student, staff, faculty representation to share their ideas, it makes it a lot more powerful. So that was the goal for the summit, yeah. just makes get people feel, talking. Yeah. yeah. You know, and one of the things, I mean, that was kind of touched on is that saving the university money in some in some mm-hmm. respects, right? And that's, that's something universal that you could take into any boardroom, I think, and make a case for. So, you know, what, what are the big money-saving things that you've discovered here so far? Our biggest by far is energy. Um, um, between natural gas use and electricity, it's definitely the biggest from a from a very conservative business case perspective. That's where a lot of the opportunity lies. Um, and, and our plant ops team has done quite a bit to make the buildings more efficient. We have a central plant that, from a cost perspective, is, is very efficient. Um, but if we're looking for opportunity to reduce our bottom line, that's or to improve our bottom line, that's where it is. Yeah. Um, I would say in sustainability, they talk about kind of the four big pillars to um, what your business case looks like. And even though it takes a lot of the emphasis, the cost argument is only one of them. You look at things like the reputation being a big one, especially as a university public sector. I think it's a pretty big expectation that we're doing this kind of stuff. Uh, The staff engagement um, that we're actually getting employees to care about the place that they work in, getting students to be connected to the university in some ways. Um, and the other big one being the obvious environmental impact that we can say we're making a difference and, and showcasing that we're a good corporate citizen or whatever language you want to use. So, you know, as an academic institution, we're constantly looking for grant funding and for, yeah. you know, sustainability unlocks so much stuff when you start talking oh, yeah. about doing well in it and putting out bold, innovative ideas. That's when people get excited and they want to fund projects like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, from an academic perspective and maybe from an <coughs> operational perspective, it actually unlocks new opportunities that we we don't really think on too much. Uh, the other big one being student attraction, that you know the next wave of students coming in are looking at sustainability performance. It's probably not the be-all and end-all of why they choose a university, but maybe all other things equal, they might weight that. Yeah, yeah, in their, sure. in their decision to totally. come to a yeah. school. Totally. Um, yeah. And I know at UW, we've had uh, you know a concerted effort to, to clean up the campus appeal and make it a little bit more physically attractive. Uh, we have lots of those old, you know, the, 70... The brutalist architecture. Exactly. <laughs> the 60s and 70s buildings <laughs> where, uh, you know, they were very functional. <laughs> That's a good um, word for it, functional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the new wave of students want, you know, the, the lead buildings or the, yeah. you know, quantum nano center, these bright open spaces. 
is. Um, and it happens to be that there's usually a good correlation between an environmentally efficient building and yeah. an attractive building. So I think there's a recognition from the campus that we need to be putting in those student spaces and those places where employees want to work too. And yeah. um, that's a big factor in, in why staff choose to accept the job position or why why students choose to accept a, an offer. So there's a lot of buildings being built on campus now. Um, are you like the sheriff, where you are like, oh, no, 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 this <laughs> needs solar panels, guys? No, no, not at all. They, um, so there's part, there's some things that have been embedded into policy, so all of our new builds have to be um, designed to lead silver. Um, What's lead silver, though? That's like it's, second it's kind place, of a, man. It's kind of a floor. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. It, it, it incorporates sustainability into the design of the building. Um, when you get to gold and platinum, then it's like you're designing an environmentally sustainable building, whereas oh, okay. lead silver is kind of like you're making your building. Yeah, it's not like a coal-powered like. Yeah, building. yeah, you're making sure that you're doing your due diligence and putting in a good building that's not going to come and bite you yeah. years down the road, kind of yeah, thing. But yeah. it's not it's not inspirational. Sorry, one of the things we were doing in the workshop is is trying to figure out how to get people involved in sustainability. That was question two, I think, mm -hmm. and. There were two things that kind of came up in our group that I thought aren't really mentioned that often but are important. And one of them is shame and, like, where, you know, shame kind of comes into this. Because in, I, we're not talking about the this, movie. I bring yeah. this up all the time. But in Germany, there's, like, it's, it's a whole society built around shame. So people are sustainable because their neighbors will scowl at them. and they're like, terrified. And old ladies and, like, probably, yeah, shame for other stuff. It's You know, that's baked into their society. So shame is one thing. And... Also, uh, just in terms of forcing people to do it, just yeah. like, you know, leadership, everyone talks about ins inspiring people and engaging people, but what about just forcing someone to do something? Yeah. Like, does this enter your discussions? Um, to certain degrees. I mean, there's stuff that it makes sense to force people to do. Like um, so something would be like, uh, enforcing, I'm using that lightly, but something like turning off your computer or something that you yeah. leave. Sometimes it's easier instead of trying to do this big engagement campaign or, you know, get all these different people involved and try and do this awareness building and you just write a script that a computer programmer puts on all computers. So if it's inactive, it turns off. And so it's forcing people to do something. The other one would be something like occupancy sensors where it yeah. just turns off the lights. And I think that's great. The yeah. problem with it is um, the behavior that we instill here isn't then shaped elsewhere. Because so, it's automatic for people, and they think, oh, the system will take care of it. Exactly. Yeah. So then you go home, and you don't have, you know, occupancy sensors or anything at home or wherever else you're yeah. going, and, and that learned behavior, it's not learned anymore. It's yeah. forced. Um, and so there's some things like that. I guess the other one, um, coming from my background in transportation, is you want to set the incentives that actually make sense okay. for people. So forcing in the sense of, Parking being a great example, um, it's really hard to encourage people to use sustainable transportation when um, your parking price is half the cost of a bus pass. Yeah. Um, so there's certain behaviors there where sometimes you just need to take a lead role and say, no, yeah. we're going to do this and we're going to you know, encourage people yeah. to pay parking and we're going to put a price signal that gives us that. Yeah. That backing and um, paper park too, because people every time they put that card in the machine, if they know money's coming out of their bank account, exactly, as opposed to it coming out automatically, so like, oh, I already paid for this month, I'll just drive. Exactly, yeah. yeah. No, but, and, and we saw a couple organizations. The cities now have all implemented paid parking for their staff, and they're usually pretty high-priced paid parking because yeah. it's in the downtown core. And they've actually seen a bit of a backfire in terms of people that normally would bike one or two days a week now are actually choosing to drive 
five days a week because they've paid for their parking pass, so they want to get the full value yeah, out of it. It's this yeah. bizarre <laughs> backfire. And, oh, yeah. And some people have given it up to use something different to yeah. save cash, but there's been a bit of a bounce back in some areas, too. So just interesting psychology behind some of it. So you're still kind of talking about, like, positive reinforcement, though. I mean, like, negative reinforcement, like punishing people <laughs> for just for bad behavior. Yeah. Is this possible? Can we do this? Um, it would depend on what area you're looking at. I mean, I think there's some <laughs> things that it's possible for, things like maybe waste. I don't know if, yeah. if you're like a, a shaming campaign of yeah, like a, the like a wall of shame, right? <laughs> like, like engineering over. You know, they produce too much waste paper this month. They are our shame leader. Yeah, I would say is that, that just not for things like that? You really have to make sure you're comparing apples to apples for everything sure. because it, I think it's really hard to try and find things that are equalized yeah. across the universe. But I think you wouldn't even have to because you're, then you're creating a discussion. And people are arguing what apples to apples are instead of not talking about it at all. Yeah, yeah. Am I blowing? Is this no, like a I'm, good idea? Or? It's fair. I like <laughs> that you're pitching a campaign. Yeah, like, a shame campaign. Yeah, shame. just basically. Shame-based like, campaign. Yeah, that's good. I really liked um, one of, I know you and I had this conversation a while ago, but during uh, move out a lot of the time, mm. especially on off-campus housing, it's kind of a, an eyesore for the community. There's various neighborhoods where there'll be mattresses thrown out to the curb or something like yeah. that, or just mounds of garbage on the side of the road as, as students move out. So there could be a bit of a, a conversation around that on, you know, could you do some shaming to try and encourage people not to throw their garbage on the side of the road? Isn't just having know. your mattress out on the street shame enough? <laughs> yeah, it's know. just stains on it, yeah. and it's just like, <laughs> you know. You know, there was an interesting, um, there was a company that, it's a local company, and they have a system that is for uh, employee theft. So they went into an organization, say it was like a large big box, you know, um, warehouse for tools and building materials something like that mm -hmm. and they went in and they said to all the employees because there was a lot of employee theft so internal theft and they said if you find someone who's stealing we will give you 10 grand and theft stopped yeah yeah theft just like it reduced to like one percent or something because everyone was so incentivized to get the 10 grand that all of a sudden, everybody—it wasn't a shaming thing so much as it was like, "Oh my God, I could get ten grand if yeah. I if I know about these things." And so all everyone there. knew everyone was watching all the time. Exactly, and so there was this yeah. sort of increased yeah. transparency around. We all watch each other, and it's like terrifying, but how well it worked for that. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing I like about those kinds of things is, is they are successful in many cases, and and they do work. But it, it I just don't like the idea of pitting different people yeah, against I each other. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I love Sam's it. all about that. You're, yeah. you're just I just like, think that's a half Lord of, like, of the flies here. I don't here. think it's the only way to get things done, but I think it's an underutilized way because yeah. we're just so polite all the time about everything. It's true. It's true. But yeah, and you have a different perspective because you've lived in another country and seen... Non-polite people. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, the other thing is, like, even at our table at the summit, we were talking about this idea that people coming from, um, like, one woman at our table was from Pakistan, and she was saying, like, it's just so built into Pakistan to like conserve water and to not let things run and to turn everything off. She's like, you come to Canada and it's just like abundant resources in the way, or you think it's abundant resources in the way that we treat all of the things around us. Yeah. So she's yeah. like, people just leave the light on. They, they do wash with one sock in it. And, and she's <laughs> yeah. like, just because they can. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, it's so hard to get used to. But then what happens is the people who stay, you know, like for her, she said, I got used to just wasting. Yeah. She right? even got used to it. Anyway. Yeah, she was just like, oh, you just you just switch off because it's so much easier. Yeah. 
<clears throat> Sam, we should tap. You should task you to do that. Figure that out. I'll become like the you czar, just be, or, yeah. like the dictator. Yeah, you just be like <laughs> Matt's right hand man. Your sustainability officer. I'm the sustainability <laughs> dictator. Yeah, and you're just like you're just walking around, just yeah. being like, I'm watching, <laughs> I just, and I'm disapproving. I design like a a uniform yeah. for myself that's like vaguely kind of like from evil parts of history. All these fake medals and I'll, stuff. I'll have the leaf, and yours will have the little thorns <laughs> underneath. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I always think wear of the, a mask or the, the Star Wars quote when Darth Vader's saying that, you know, trying to interrogate Princess Leia, and she says, you know, the tight, the more you tighten your grip, the more star, star systems, systems will slip through your fingers. fingers. I know, so I, I love that. I just always feel like that'll be the, the <laughs> case. That you that. that. <laughs> We're getting out here for a the, second. Uh, the more that you try and force people to do stuff, the harder the resistance will, will yeah. be. Um, so we were talking, I can't remember who I was talking to, it must have been at the summit again, but we were just talking about how, how sad and how, um, how depressing it can get being in the sustainability field. Oh, uh, yeah. Who were we talking to? I'm sorry, I can't remember. That was Tawny. Tawny, that's right. And it's just like, at what point, she was one of our previous interviews, and it's like, how do you keep going? So my question to you isn't so much how do you keep going, but like, what gets you excited these days around sustainability? Mm. Yeah. Great question. Well, a couple things. So... I have a daughter on the way, so yeah. that's, that was going to be my question. Uh, that's be my it's segue. perfect. It's, it's a perfect, perfect segue. segue. Yeah. So I think um, there's a generational kind of you know not a not a legacy I would say, but you we have you know a new generation of kids that are coming up, and, yeah. and I'm at the age now where I'm. I think that's a new sphere of why I appreciate sustainability now. I think mm-hmm. it's something that I'd I'd always thought of before, but now it's just so much more real, um, and and there. Are, not always like the big scary things like climate change, but even things like we have 20 years left in our municipal uh, landfill site. And then after that, it's going to cost a heck of a lot more money to, you know, put your garbage out on the curb. Um, And those are all going to be costs that, you know, our kids are going to be saddled with at some point. Um, So I think the decisions that we make now impact very far into the future. And and I think that's that realizations more and more so every day for me. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it's easy to get bogged down in the fear mongering. I think that on climate change, especially, there's lots of negative stuff out there, and unfortunately, there's just there hasn't been the progress to really celebrate and, and rally around to the, to frame that conversation differently. Um, but what are you going to do? I mean, all big social challenges are bogged down, and mm. you know the yeah. the scary language. Otherwise, the they wouldn't be challenged. Doom and gloom. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think of the, the next generation as something that, you know, I can one day hopefully proudly say this is what I worked towards, whether it was successful or not, I, I at least tried. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, you know, I think you also meet a lot of people that are also in a similar mindset. And I think the camaraderie around sustainability minded folks is, is great um, for those moments when you're just like, ah, I don't know how I'm going to do this or yeah. you've hit so many brick walls that you're, you know, ready to, to give up that there's always someone there that's run into the same challenge and is willing to give a helping hand. That's great that you have a daughter on the way. Yeah, I'm a little... Have you thought about names? We have a name. We're not telling anybody. That's a smart move. Why would you ever ask? <laughs> the one thing you don't ask of expecting parents, what's the name? Why? Because nobody wants to share it. It's like a secret. It's going to be revealed. I don't understand how people can't share I the sex no. with people. Like to me, I, yeah. or not know the sex. I think you, you guys know. No, we didn't know. How did you do that? I just didn't want to know. I was like, it's gonna be I, wicked to know. You could have known. Uh, we could have known. Yeah, yeah, we just chose not to. Yeah. I don't so know how you I did think that. you have to workshop, <laughs> workshop a name though, because what if you're like, oh, the name is like, 
you know, Adolf. And people are like, <laughs> you're, I know you're not a history person, but you might want to change the name of your child, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Does blind people have name blind spots? Yeah, it's true. I mean, we, for, if we were going to have a boy, we were going to have a, I was thinking like Leroy. And, and, right? Like, like cool Leroy name, right? Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins. Jenkins. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody goes to Leroy Jenkins. Yeah. <laughs> it's this YouTube. That. Yeah, we'll put that on our we'll website so you can watch it's it. It's one of my favorite videos. Yeah. So, in, uh, in a faux show first, uh, we decided actually to bring uh, Matt Tyson back into the booth because. Uh, we recorded, I think it, it was in the summer, late summer, and so much has happened on the sustainability front and the Star Wars front. Yeah. <laughs> and the baby front. And the baby, the baby front, front that we needed, to, yeah, we needed to get Matt back in the booth. <laughs> so here it is. Uh, this, we're, I think we're just going to tack this on to the end and uh, just get a, a little update from Matt about what's going on. So... What is going on? What has changed in your life, Matt? Well, I, I have a child now oh. <laughs> who is three months old as of yesterday, yeah. so that, oh, that changes everything. Yes. Um, and she's gorgeous and um, a lot of fun, but also an infant or baby, so yeah. that comes with its own challenges of sleepless yeah, let's talk, nights. Yeah, and let's talk about <laughs> Um, depending on the night, it's uh, zero to okay. Zero. <laughs> like zero sleep. Zero, yeah. Uh, not so much anymore. When she was a newborn, like like fresh newborn, yeah, then zero. You're at zero. Then it was zero. Yeah, <laughs> the first few nights were pretty rough, but since then it's been pretty good. Um, she she wakes up quite a bit, but she's been okay to get back down afterwards. So big deal. Yeah, the past the past friends. week hasn't been that great. I think she's going through a bit of a regression right now, but we'll see how long that lasts. Oh. So, and and your sleep to coffee intake ratio, how's that look? I've maintained a coffee intake ratio of two cups per day, sometimes three. So I would say that the ratio, if anything, has improved. Yes, which is kind wow. of cool. That's amazing. I I went from. Yeah, the zero sleep meant like seven cups. Yeah. Full caffeine. You know, I was just. Wow. Now I, I may have like, substituted coffee with sugary products like chocolate and other. <laughs> so. It's fine. Whatever <laughs> caffeine and sugar could be substitutable. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's great. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I've met her. She is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And Flo, my daughter, wants to be her mother. So there's like a whole. That's weird. There's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She just wants to have her as her own baby. Um, you also had uh, a new. You birthed another uh, thing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, the sustainability report, which I believe we uh, we talked about earlier. Um, I read it. Uh, I love it. It's getting rave reviews across campus. Um, it's just personally, I think, super well done. Really well cool, done. Cool, thank you. Um, maybe do you want to just go through some of the, the highlights of, of what people could find in the report if, if, and what it is even. You know, yeah. Also, yeah. So way back in 2009, um, we committed that we would do reporting on sustainability stuff on an ongoing basis as and, part of and our... And you were here, right? No, this no, this is long before me, yeah. yeah. So um, we as a university said we were going to join this Council of Ontario University Sustainability Pledge, and part of that was to report on our progress. So our last report came out in 2010 before this one, um, and so we were kind of long overdue for an update. So we looked at, the report looks at um, 14 different indicators across... Um, engagement, academics, and operations. Um, 
and tracks our progress. So we have fun stats in there, like the number of sustainability-related courses across campus, um, not just within faculty of environment, but looking at all six faculties. Yeah. Uh, you know, the different things that faculty members are researching, anything from energy to water to um, food, and then for maybe a governance lens or a science lens or a policy lens or whatever. Um, on the academic side, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I don't know of any study that's been done here that's kind of looked at um, cross-campus sustainability using that kind of an approach. Yeah. Um, like ho- it's holistic. Holistic, yeah. yeah. So, and I think it's kind of cool because we can see where our strengths come in. I mean, things like energy and climate change and water. Um, it makes sense that we're doing quite well in those areas because we have full research institutes that are supporting each of those with WISE and the Water Institute. And, uh, interdisciplinary center on climate change. So it's cool to see that reflected in kind of the the numbers on what different faculty are researching. Um, so the academic was pretty exciting to kind of get a bit of a first cut on what's happening across campus. And I think that can be refined over time, but um, for now it's good to get some of those numbers out there and build the awareness of the amount of sustainability research and teaching that's happening. Um, and then from the operations side, we went and looked at all the different, you know, typical indicators that you'd see in a sustainability report, the energy, the water, waste, transportation, all that fun stuff. Um, some of them, they had pretty good indicators or decent progress on those indicators. So we saw some efficiency improvements in things like climate change and water and waste, um, which is nice. But there's also some pretty big gaps in our reporting that we'll be looking to plug going forward as we try and get more data on stuff that we just don't have right now. Um, And the engagement section was interesting as well. We looked at uh, the different ways that employees were getting involved in, you know, campus sustainability projects, the different type of student groups that were doing stuff on campus. So, um, I mean, if you look at sustainability progress being maybe half behavioral and half infrastructure related, um, we can argue what those percentages are, but I mean, both are incredibly important. Um, And so I think that section really highlighted that we actually have quite a bit of work to do yeah. getting more engagement um, yeah. of staff and faculty and students across campus. You know, one thing that I uh, I really liked about the report is that beside it being holistic, it's candid. Mm-hmm. You know, it. Um, I think that you know there were there was a risk of just um, cheerleading a little bit and yeah. fr- front running, I guess, a little bit just because. Uh, you know, this is the first report of its size, right? Yep, and. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I just just kudos. It, it's there's uh, you mentioned where where we can improve, and I think across campus, that's you know it's important. Yeah, and you know, Matt, I'd say just from my from what I know of you, that you're sort of the perfect person for this role because <laughs> you have the ability to scan or to to span all of the different departments and speak their language and connect with them in a like I'd say a pretty authentic way. Mm. Um, I hope anyway. Absolutely, because yeah. I, I just don't think someone could have success if they were really emotional and really, um, I, uh, you know, had really strong ideals and were um, more reactive. I feel like you're very, um, you're very level-headed, and I feel like that's just such a, a, a bonus for the university. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing success. And I think that's, you know, I do have those strong emotions, and I, yeah, I want right. to see good stuff happen, and, you know, I'll, I'll fight for it, but you have to do it in a way that makes sense to yeah. everybody else who you're working with. In a pragmatic way. In a pragmatic <laughs> way, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So December eighteenth, yeah. Um, Star Wars debuts. Yeah, Force Awakens. It's been sleeping. Force Awakens. Yeah. It awakens. It it's the alarm clock. <laughs> where, it's the where snooze will you button. Be, man? Um, probably at home, wanting to be <laughs> at the theater, okay. but you won't be at the theater. Or following, you know, the Star Wars Twitter feed or something like that. I don't like. See. No, so that's the problem because. <laughs> 
it's going to be media blackout until I see it, right? Because yeah. I'm sure there's going to be so much spoiler st- alerts. Streaming, yeah. so I'll just have to like go to a log cabin and wait. <laughs> I can get a ticket. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. So what are you looking forward to? So what from all of the trailers you've seen, what what excites you most? I just didn't realize how much I missed X Wings yes. until I saw oh, them. I know. Until I saw them again. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm I'm super excited to just see. Um, just how they blend everything together, the the mix of the new and the old. I mean, the last time the films were made, um, the technology that existed back then was super revolutionary for its time. That's now, you know, 20, 30 years in the past. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to see how they kind of keep that authentic feel to the films, but then yeah. bring all the new technology that they have into the center. I'm really encouraged. Uh, one of the screenwriters, um, or the, the writers for the film is, you know, he wrote Empire Strikes Back and... Uh, Return of the Jedi. So there's some oh, good okay. consistency there. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see how they blend that all together. Um, yeah, and the, exciting. Yeah, like the he wrote the. It's kind of dark. Empire Strikes Back. The book yeah, it's yeah. even darker than the movie. Yeah, and uh, so I'm kind of interested in that. The, I'm really looking forward to the fact that it looks like they've made stormtroopers and uh, like they've personified them. Yeah, there's yeah. actually like people. You realize oh, they're okay. people in those suits, right? They're not just like robots running around, just getting with terrible aim. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, they have feelings and they're conflicted. I'm assuming this is is what happens. Yeah, yeah. And there's like, uh, there, I saw in a trailer, there's a stormtrooper with a lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. So one of the main characters is, and I, and I don't know the plot because it you know hasn't been released fully yet, but he you know has a uh, crisis of conscience and in, in what he's doing and, and decides to abandon his you know stormtrooper and in, in the in the process he discovers that he has you know. Some pretty awesome Jedi skills that he's gonna put to good use, rather than nice. just being an imperial or post-imperial thug kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah. Um, so Matt, if you were if you had a ticket for the for the first day, and you could go, mm-hmm. what like how would you dress? Who would you be? <laughs> and like what would you want to get up to in line waiting to get in? Oh, would you dress and go cosplays? <laughs> well, you know how this is the big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the radio, like people go for hours in advance yeah. and lightsaber battles in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would, I would want it to be kind of a ridiculous character that nobody knows. Oh, so I'm uh, thinking yeah. like uh, in the expanded universe, there was this really cool Ewok that was a Jedi. <gasps> A Jedi Whoa, Ewok, really? and he just went off the wall and was like a rogue Jedi as oh, an wow. Ewok. He was like an assassin and just did all this ridiculous stuff. That's so kind of amazing. I would dress up as something like that okay. just to throw people off and see who like the true believers in the yeah, crowd are. Yeah. They can <laughs> point that out. And, yeah, and, they'd all come up to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then hopefully that costume would be like comfortable to sit in. Yeah, pro- yeah probably, like not. Furry, yeah. probably not. Probably not. It's cool. It's, it's cool outside. Foil yeah. tail or something. I find movie theaters are always way too cold. They crank the air conditioning up, so my Ewok costume could keep me warm. Yeah, yeah. warm. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, that's good to know. You're way too tall to be an Ewok. Though. I know. I have to walk around on my knees or something. You're like six foot two. <laughs> yeah. You could get a. You get like a board, like a skateboard, yeah, and yeah. just kneel on it before. There you go. And then it would be more fitting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Because I know you're committed, so I know you would yeah. take that on if you needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Are you are you looking forward to the new Star Wars movie? Yeah, like I'm not uh, I'm not a huge fan. I I really appreciate the movies, but yeah. like I will see it kind of when I see it. Mm-hmm. I think by the time the third one comes around, you could, you could take Flo. She should probably be in like six years. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because I was she wants to, yeah. I was too young for the first two, 
but I was like just the perfect age for Return of the Jedi, oh, yeah. and that's I think why it's seared into my mind. Like, yeah, I saw it in the yeah. theater. There's and... a lot of people who, obviously, as we're talking now, there's a lot of people who are just obsessed with Star Wars and yeah. all of the movies, and um, I've never understood. I, I theoretically understand, but I would love to really understand from a like watch all the movies again and really go through it and be like, oh, that's why people love it because there's. Like Tina Fey is a huge Star Wars yeah. fan, right? And she's always supporting. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah makes time. her like even better than she already is. Yeah, right? no kidding. <laughs> yeah, and so um, and she uses she talks a lot about Star Wars in her like in anything she talks about, she'll bring it up, and it's like yeah. there's got to be something there. Yeah, obviously. I think it, it is a complex series at the same time that it's kind of simple. Um, yeah. So there's a you know the traditional good versus evil that comes out in the movies and. If you do any reading in the expanded universe, the kind of books and everything that tag on to the movies, um, that kind of gets questioned a little bit. So, you know, Luke Skywalker, 20 years down the road, is rethinking, like, should I really have blown up that Death Star? You know, there were so many people on board that were just doing what they were told to do. Yeah. And, you know, cool. you killed so many people. And, you know, it's just a... Um, there's a certain level of complexity to it that kind of lurks beneath the surface that really, you know... Gets just people excited, but yeah. then a kid can watch the movie and you know just be like, understand it yeah. and, and, and be relatively yeah. yeah engaged yeah. with it. And they've just done a phenomenal job marketing it. So yeah. Yeah. totally over the years. Oh, yeah. I do miss X Wings though. <laughs> it's funny Christmas is coming, and I that was like that was the present. Whenever people ask me like, what was the present you always wanted? And it was an X Wing fighter. Oh it was yeah, just like a because it's so. I feel bad for kids because they they don't have an income, right? Yeah, they're like se they're seasonal workers. You know, they then they basically they only they only get income on their birthday and well besides yeah. the other parents and all the great things they do for them. But like really, that's your shot at yeah. like getting what you want. And, yeah. I don't know, too, when I was a kid, like, the Star Wars toys were just the action figures. Like, they didn't have everything else that yes. went with it yet. Yeah, the whole universe. So my yeah. first X-Wing, I made out of cardboard, so maybe a cool sustainability tie in there. I recycled <laughs> yeah, a bunch yeah. of cardboard and little, uh, you know, little uh, uh, toilet paper rolls for the engines oh, and everything nice. like that. Yeah. And it was just awful, but, yeah. you know, I, I loved it. Did the it. job. Did the job. Did I mean, job, as a kid, yeah. you know, it was the coolest thing around. Yeah. Um, so, so who was your favorite... X-Wing fighter pilot not named Luke Skywalker. Oh, definitely wedging. Yeah. Cool. That's good. Yeah, great. So I think we can wrap it up here. Thanks cool. a lot. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for doing double duty on the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to have a conversation after the 18th or 19th or yeah. 20th or whatever yeah. we actually I feel like it's turning into, like, we'll probably have you on every week. It'll just be, like, for the <laughs> Star Wars update. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars yeah. updates.